Good morning, church. Every morning, I say, please let them be excited about being here. And we're getting there little by little. I, I get it. But it is an exciting morning this morning because we're going to celebrate a baby dedication. So will you guys please come up here? The nietos are, they want to dedicate their baby boy, Nehemiah. Come up here, guys, please. Now, we call it a baby dedication, but it's more of a message to the parents because Nehemiah, I'm sure, is not going to remember. Oh, you're so cute. Not going to remember a single thing today. Can I take you home? Can I take him home? Just for two hours and then I'll give him back. <laughs> this message is for you parents. And really what I want to break down what a baby dedication is, is, is four things really. First of all, babies, all children are a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 3 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. The second thing that we're here to declare and you guys testify is that you guys are to raise baby Nehemiah in the ways of the Lord. But as we're going to see today, uh, Moises, God has a special message for us. We are the ones to lead in that discipline and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But the responsibility for this, like I mentioned, primarily is on the father. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And we have a responsibility as well, church. We are a church family, and we are to come alongside and help this beautiful couple in front of me raise up Nehemiah in the ways of the Lord. Romans 12.5 says this, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and the individually members of one another. We are called to come before you guys and help you any way we can in the children's ministry or just to hold you accountable to do that. So this is what you guys are declaring and testifying in front of your church and before God. Congratulations. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of children. As we just read, all children are a gift from you. And Father, I pray that the nietos truly raise this beautiful baby boy, both of their children, in your ways. That they could get to know your son, Jesus Christ, and that they can live as an example to them, as God-honoring parents. And I pray for us, the church, that we come alongside them and help them in this journey in any way we can, just to glorify you, Father. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Congratulations, guys. Oh, man, that's awesome. Kids grow up so, so fast, don't they? You guys that are parents, you could relate, right? As a matter of fact, my oldest, our oldest, Aaron, just celebrated uh, his 22nd birthday this past Monday. And so I remember the very first day we brought him home, our firstborn. We were just so careful. We were super cautious. My wife went in the back seat. We buckled him up. We put a helmet. And I went like really, really slow. I remember getting out of the hospital. There were speed bumps. And I was like, oh, looking back, is he okay? Is he okay? It took us about three hours to get home, all right? 
people were hogging at me. I rolled down the window and I would say, baby on board. I truly believe that was my idea and someone hurt me that day and they pegged it and they ran with it. But we're just so careful. But then when we had our second, totally opposite. The day we brought him home, I put him on the handlebars of my bike and we took off. Look, you guys that are parents can probably relate. We, we love our children the same unconditionally, but we raise them a little different. As a matter of fact, when it comes to raising a child, us as parents, a lot of times, don't have a single clue what we're doing. And it's interesting, the day we become parents, I think you can relate, parents, everybody around us becomes an expert in parenting. Our parents tell us what to do. Our in-laws tell us what to do. There's so many books out there. We're reading them. But honestly, we don't know what to do. And the way I see parenting, the way we raise our children, I've seen it before and I see it nowadays and I'm guilty of this as well. We tend to go to two extremes. In our mentality as parents, we want to raise our children in these two ways. First, we say we want our kids, we want our girls, we want our boys to be the best they can be. So we put them in the best schools. We put them in all the sports. We make sure that they're trained to be experts in basketball, football. We put them everywhere. But if we're honest, we're saying this in our heads. We want them to be the best they can be for me. I was guilty of this. My boys growing up in sports, I was like, you... I didn't say this, but I wanted them to do the best. I want them to be the, the ones that scored a touchdown to make the three points in basketball. But I realized that, that I want them to be the, the best they could be. But ultimately, for me, I was living my life through my children. And when we go to this extreme, parents, what tends to happen is that they grow up and they don't want to be like you. And a lot of times, when we put too much pressure they don't even want to be with you. And the second extreme I believe we go through is this. I want to give my children everything that I didn't have. So we do that. We give them everything. And in doing that, we put them in the, all the sports, right? We do all these things. And, and look around. I think we're doing this too, too much as parents. We really are. Because our kids are just becoming very, very dependent and nowadays, nowadays, for example, everybody gets a trophy just for participating. Everybody just to get, don't get me started. But what happens in those cases is that our kids grow up and most of the time, not always, they stay in college. And they get all these degrees. You name it, it's out there. Why? Because they don't want to be out in the real world. And now we see it. Our kids are living with us till they're 76 and then we ask ourselves why. And the reason why is that we never taught them how to fly. That's the issue. It's on us. It's not on our children. See, parents, we need to raise our children to be able to achieve C's. They probably say, no, 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 I want my kids to be A+. Plus. No, C's. Three C's to be specific. We want our kids in our parenting to be confident, to have character, and to have competence. That is the responsibility of parents. Three C's to have confidence, knowing that they have what it takes, no matter what that is. Knowing who they are, but more importantly, as we're going to see, knowing whose they are. We need to raise our children to have character, to be able to be trusted. And when we do this, 
We can raise our children to have competence, to be independent, to take care of themselves and others. To be able to give to the community and not only take, take, take. When we do these things, when we raise our children with confidence, character, and competence, they will grow up to be effective contributors in the world around them. They will grow up to be God-honoring husbands and wives. They will grow up to be God-honoring parents. And they will grow up to be God-honoring employees and employers. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's open up and see what Paul has to tell us about parenting in today's message. Ephesians chapter 6 is we're going to begin. Verse 1. We're at the last chapter of this series. It's been a great series. Ephesians 6 verse 1. But before we jump into today's verses, I want to I go back before we go forward. I want I us to be reminded what Paul's been telling us since the very beginning in chapter 4 as he got practical with us. Remember in Ephesians 4 verse 1 he says this. We need to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility with all gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. He told us as well, Ephesians 5 verse 1, we need to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. How, how are we supposed to do this? We talked about it last week. Ephesians 5.21, we ought to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And last week we saw what that looked like between a husband and a wife. Today we're going to see what this looks like between a son and a daughter and the parents. And we're going to see what this looks like between employees and their employers. Ephesians, verse 1, chapter 6. Children, talking to both boys and girls. Children, obey your parents, talking to both mom and dad, in the Lord. For this is right. He says, children, your submission looks like obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because it pleases him. Paul mentions the same thing in Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in some things, no. In everything, for this pleases the Lord. As children, we ought to obey our parents because ultimately we are obeying Christ, the Lord. Again, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord in reverence, in awe of Christ. Why? For this is right. If you're raised in a Christian home, it is right. It is a fifth commandment. But think about it. Even if you're not a Christian, it's still the right thing to do. Obeying your parents is a morally right thing to do. And this is what Paul is saying. He goes on in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I believe what Paul is doing here is two things. He's implying just a general principle. A general principle in life. When any of us live in obedience to God and what he tells us to do, there's more stability and longevity in our lives. 
But the second thing that Paul is doing is that I think he's referring also to the Old Testament, the law. See, in Deuteronomy 21, and I chuckle because if you haven't heard of this law, it's pretty funny. Deuteronomy 21, this is what it says. If your kids, if your children are really misbehaving and you've done everything you could and they still don't obey you, as parents, we had the right to bring them before the elders and then they would bring them in front of the tribe and we would stone them to death. Now, some of you parents are saying, wow, if the Bible says it, I can do it, right? No, 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 no. Old Testament. They were under the law. We're not under law. We're under grace. Thank God for that. So don't even think about it. But it is pretty funny. Deuteronomy 21 verse 18. You guys want to turn there when you go home and tell your kids, scare your kids with that. Now, it's interesting. Paul has just talked to the kids and now he directs his attention to the parents. But specifically, specifically it's a warning to the fathers. Verse 4. Fathers. Do not provoke. Do not cause your children to anger. Do not cause them to have these angry emotions in them. Do not push them away is what he's saying. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul says the same thing in Colossians 3.21. Listen, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I want to camp here for a while. Because there's a lot more parents right now than there are kids in the audience. But this is so important. Notice, Paul is giving us as parents, but more specifically to fathers, the negative results when we don't raise our kids in a God-honoring way. He is giving us the negative results when we don't discipline our kids in a godly way. They become angry, resentful. We tend to push them away. And the other thing is that they become discouraged. And when we do this as parents, then there's no way, probably no way, that our kids will grow up to have confidence, character, or competence. If you don't get anything from this message, church, hear this. We are called to discipline our children not out of anger, out of love. Godly discipline is guidance with love, not punishment in anger. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. We discipline our kids, most of us, and I've been guilty of it, out of anger. We want to teach them a lesson. But we want to make our children in our discipline to be better, not to be bitter, not to push them away, not to anger them. We need to raise our kids. We need to discipline our children the way God disciplines us. Proverbs 3.12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So important. Again, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but... This is a contrast. This is what we're supposed to do. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. These words, bringing up in the original language, means to raise a child into 
maturity by providing for them physical, psychological, but more important, spiritual guidance. And again, he's specifically talking to the fathers. That responsibility is on both parents by primarily on us husbands, fathers. How? How can this be done? By discipline and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. We just read right now Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, I know this to be true and you do too. More is caught than taught. Our children are imitating us. How we live, how we love, how we worship, they get it and they'll imitate that. That is the truth. And a lot of parents nowadays, and it's been this for a while, but I see it more. A lot of parents feel that it's someone else's responsibility to bring in or train up our children in the ways of the Lord. It's, it's not the school's responsibility, parents. It's not our children's ministry responsibility either. It's not my responsibility. We are to come together and help you, but it's your responsibility. It starts at home. I love what I read. It says this, the Christian home is meant to be a school for life lessons. Parents are meant to be teachers of the truth and trainers in righteousness. They are to live, live the gospel. Don't just say it. Live the gospel of Christ and walk in grace. We are responsible, us, to train them up in the ways of the Lord. As parents, we need to lead by example. So they can imitate us. I love what I read in a, a book called Parenting in the 21st Century. And it listed five guidelines that parents did and their kids turned out okay. And this is what they did. In a survey that was taken, five guidelines, guidelines for parent, parenting. This is what it said. Number one, parents had fewer rules. Those parents that had fewer rules ended up with better kids. And I don't know how your parenting is. I'm not saying not to discipline. But some of us are just have all these rules on them. Ever heard the term helicopter mom? They're just on them and they can't do anything. So, so the kids feel trapped. And you know what happens most times if we raise our kids this way? The minute that they are free, the minute they go off to college, they go out all the way. And so we need to have fewer rules. Again, have rules, but not have all these rules that every time that they breathe, they're punished. The other thing it says, parents were not afraid of their children. Oh, man, now, now the child seems to be in control, not the parent. I, but I don't want to hurt his feelings. Listen, we're called to be parents, not their best friends. They might hate you for that moment. But in the long run, they'll love you for it. We need to always encourage our children to be who they want to be, not who we want them to be for me. Encourage them. Back them up in whatever they choose. 
Another thing it mentioned is not to, listen, listen to this one. Most of you are going to say, oops, I'm guilty, was guilty of it. They're off in college. Do not involve the kids in everything. I see that. The parents all over the place. He needs to be in music. She needs to be in this. Basketball, volleyball, football, golf, tennis, figure skating in Laredo. But what happens is we, as a married couple, surround our lives around our children. It's everything and we're going crazy. No. Do not involve your kids in everything. We tend to make our kids our idols. And then number five, but this is number one in the list. This is the most important guideline for a parent. Healthy marriages. Those kids that were raised in a healthy marriage turned out to be the best kids. Now Paul is going to transition into employment. Verse 5, he says this, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and a sincere heart as you would Christ. Side note, Paul is talking to bond servants and masters of his day like we would reference employers and employees of our day. But notice what he says. The first component in a godly work ethic is the first component in a child's submission to the parents. Obedience. He says, obey your earthly masters. How how should we obey our bosses? I want you to remember two letters. H-R. H-R. We are to obey our employers with humility, respect, and honesty. Humility, respect, and honesty. Why do I say this? Because it says, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. This term here... Um, Fear, it's, it's a sense of humility. Trembling means respect. And a sincere heart means honesty. That is how we're called to work in our employment. But notice what he says, and he's been saying this time and time again, Paul is, saying, as you would, as you would Christ. Ultimately, what we do, we're doing it out of reverence for Christ, no matter where you're at. No matter who you are, we are called to work with humility, respect, and honesty out of reverence for Christ. Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our lives, everything we do should glorify God. Paul continues in verse 6. Not by the way of eye service. As people pleasers, don't work to impress others just as a show, he's saying. But as bond servants of who? Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Be sincere. Be honest. Be grateful. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, he says. Paul is saying, remember who you are working for, really. Do all these things, not to impress your boss or your co-workers, 
do it for the glory of God. He's asking us, really, are you working to please man or are you working to please God? And I love what he says. Paul says this in Galatians 1 verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Now listen, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Colossians 3.23, most of you are familiar with this verse. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Why? Why do we need to do this? Going back to Ephesians verse 8, he gives us the answer. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a bondservant or is free. I know a lot of you are not satisfied, are not happy where you're at right now. I know a lot of you may feel unappreciated. But what Paul is telling us, the inspired word of God through the Holy Spirit, is that the Lord will reward you. Not in this lifetime. But in eternity. And all of us need to be working to hear these words when we see them face to face. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. God knows exactly what you're doing. Now he turns to the bosses. I love this. Verse 9. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both their masters and yours in heaven... And that there is no partiality with him. He is saying, look, if you're the boss, treat them the same way. Treat them with humility, respect, and honesty out of reverence for Christ. But then I love this. I love what he says. Why? Why do you need to do this? Two things. He's saying to the bosses, you're not the real boss. God is saying, I'm the one who's in control. I am the real boss. But he also says this. In God's eyes... There is no boss. There is no master. There is no slave. In God's eyes, everyone is equal. And in God's eyes, we should all be serving him, not man. Doing the will of God. You know, over 2,000 years ago, the creator of all things stepped out of heaven to live a perfect life. But he also lived a perfect life in obedience to his father. In humility, he submitted himself to the will of the father. Dying on the cross for you and for me. The author of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says this. In the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. At the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Ultimately, he was obeying the Father. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. To all who believe in him. Who all, to all who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Do you know the truth, church? Is that Jesus took our punishment in obedience so that you and me and anybody who puts a trust in him is not punished for our disobedience. I want to leave you with this. 
the world around us, the people outside the church, they're not looking to see how we live here in church, how we act here in church. They're not seeing or looking to see how we act in our community groups. No. If we're honest, we're in our best behavior, right? We're the best husbands, the best wives. We're doing everything to glorify God. What they're looking at is how you live outside this building. What they're looking at is who you truly are. But they want to know whose you truly are. So let me ask you. When people see how you are as a son or a daughter, do they see Christ? When people see how you raise your children as a parent, how you are at home with your spouse, do they see Christ? How are you at work? The way you treat your boss or your coworkers, do they see Christ? Or do our actions show otherwise. I want us to be, and we are, but I want us to be reminded that every day of our lives and everything we do, not just in this building, but more importantly outside this building, for others to see whose we truly are and that we, as best we can, being led by the Holy Spirit, be as Christ, imitators of Him, walking in a manner worthy of our calling. Will you join me in this endeavor, church, so that others can come to Christ by the way we live our lives. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for your word. Everything we need to know about relationship with each other is here in this book I hold. But more importantly, everything we should know when it comes to a relationship with you, is here as well. It starts, and the only way it can happen, is by trusting in the sacrifice and the perfect obedience of your son at the cross. So that anyone who trusts in his death and resurrection, truly believes and has faith, can be reconciled to you, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that we are moved every single day, being a light to this world, so others can see your son live in us. So that we can use the opportunity when we are asked anything on how we get to be these parents, how we get to be these bosses, how we get to be these employees, we can say, it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. We are just imitating him, the perfecter of our lives. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you. Have a great week.